Good morning, church family. Have fun, kids, heading off to learn about Jesus. And thank you to our team who works so hard to take good care of our kids. Appreciate you as well. Isn't that exciting about uh, Titus Cephas's arrival? And so we'll look forward to having Pastor Matt back with us um, leading next Sunday. And uh, I don't know, probably in a week or two or three, probably get to get a, get a glimpse in person of Titus Cephas. So that'll be exciting. Uh, all right. If I ask you what your favorite candy is, something come to mind? What's your favorite candy? Licorice. I heard M&M's. Snickers. Ice cream. Yeah, okay, well, we'll count that. Sure, a treat of some kind. When, uh, if I have to answer my favorite candy, I would say Skittles. Taste the rainbow. Lots of color, lots of flavor, lots of sugar. Uh, I do like my Skittles, but... Uh, for the sake of today, I'm thinking back further in my life of, a, of, a, of another favorite candy from my childhood was Snickers. And uh, I think it was one of my favorites uh, because it was my dad's favorite. Uh, anybody else like something that your parents liked or someone, you know, that's how we got our favorite stuff, right? Okay, what's the, um, anybody know the slogan for Snickers? How about this? Snickers satisfies. Remember some of these commercials used to be, if Snickers really satisfies... Um, some of the more recent commercials are actually pretty humorous, but I won't get into that. Uh, Snickers satisfies. Uh, so, you know, what is their advertising trying to do for us here? They're trying to convince us that if, if you're hungry, you got a, then you get a Snicker bar, you're good. That's all you need, right? You're hungry, you eat a Snickers, problem solved. That's what they want us to think, right? So, but the question is, has any of you ever tried that? Have you been really hungry and tried a Snicker bar. How'd that work out for you? What, was, the, was, the, was the problem solved? Was the hunger completely solved? Did Snickers equal satisfaction? I don't, I don't know. You know. Maybe temporarily, right? But the, but the research, the smart people would say it's pretty much the opposite. When we are hungry and we have a high sugar snack, we get a little boost maybe, right? And then what? Yeah, not satisfying in the long run, not healthy in the long run. So Snickers bars, hmm, we'll think of a little bit about that today. And we want to think about um, in life today where we look for satisfaction. What, what about in our life? Not only in our physical hunger are we looking for satisfaction. We're looking in life to fill our bellies, yes, when needed. But in life, besides physical hunger... You and I all strive uh, for satisfaction, and we look for satisfaction in various places. I want you to help me out with this. Uh, where are some things, what are some things, people, places that you have, you have seen in your life, perhaps that you have looked to those things for satisfaction, or perhaps people around you? What are some of the things we look to for satisfaction? Job, career. If I just get that promotion, I'll be satisfied. What else? Wealth, money. If I just get that extra 100 bucks a month, if I could just put away a little more in retirement, I'd be satisfied. Food. Pleasure. F pleasure. F when I think of food or diet, I mean, we put, a lot of, what, we put a lot of satisfaction in, do I get my body where I want it to get? Whether it's a workout or whether it's a diet or whatever, right? We, my satisfaction is in, my identity is in what I look like. What else? 
Family, relationships, we could, put, we could try to get satisfaction from our spouse or our boyfriend or our girlfriend or even friendships that our, that our satisfaction comes from what other people think of us, right? And we could go on and on. We, we, you mentioned so many of the ones that I had written down here. Money, status, reputation, where do we look for satisfaction? Our kids, their behavior, we're satisfied by their activities and, and what they're up to. Um, we could add pornography, Look into pornography for satisfaction. We could add social media feeds and, and, and scrolling and looking and, and, and looking for satisfaction and enjoyment there. An author named Philip Holmes writes this. Uh, or, sorry, I jumped ahead of myself. I want to ask one more question. We said, where do we look for satisfaction? We also want to think about why. Why do we look to those things to satisfy us? Why do we look elsewhere for satisfaction? Because... We are dissatisfied. If, if we're honest with ourselves, if we think about our lives and, and the way we strive after things, it's, the root of it is dissatisfaction. And do we see that? Do we recognize that about ourselves? That our striving and our looking to other things is because we are dissatisfied. And do we see that dissatisfaction in, in the lives of other people around us? Philip Holmes writes this. Dissatisfaction in life is near the root of all kinds of sin. Why do people cheat on their spouse, abuse drugs and alcohol, mindlessly binge watch ridiculous amounts of television? Why do people scroll endlessly on Facebook and Twitter? Why do people steal? Why do people commit suicide? All of these things and more happen because we haven't found happiness. Sound like more than a Snickers bar can satisfy? He continues. At, listen to this. At the root of our dissatisfaction is a never-ending thirst that nothing in this world can satisfy. At the, end of our, at the root of our dissatisfaction is a never-ending thirst that nothing in this world can satisfy. We've been duped, he writes, into thinking that a better job, more money, cooler friends, another spouse, or a new life is really all we need. And if we can't obtain any of those things or when they leave us dissatisfied, we resort to drug abuse, sexual immorality, senseless entertainment, these other snicker bar fake forms of satisfaction. So this morning as we go into God's word here in a moment, I, want us, I wanted to get us thinking and realizing that we are all desperately looking for a person, a place, a thing, something that will meet our expectations. We are all going through life looking for something that meets our needs and, and meets our expectations and our wants. So the question that we want to we wanna ask God to help us with this morning is what will truly satisfy the desires of our heart? Where can true satisfaction be found? Uh, open your Bibles, if you would, and turn to John chapter 6, verse 1. We are in a series of messages called I Am. This is Jesus in his own words. Uh, last week and today and for a few more weeks moving forward, we're going to look at these statements of Jesus where he says, I am, and, and, he, and he finishes that. And we're going to look at these statements. It's Jesus in his own words. What is Jesus himself saying about himself and what we need to know about him? So pull out your device, your Bible app, or your Bible itself, and turn to John chapter 6. And uh, in a moment here, we'll start at verse 1. And as you turn there, let me pray. Father God, as always, we need you to be our teacher this morning. We gather together as a church family to, to encourage one another, to comfort one another, and to point one another to you, Lord Jesus. 
So, Father, as we uh, gather together, we need you to be our teacher. We look to your word, and we pray that by the Holy Spirit's power, you would reveal to us what you have for us this morning, that you would help us to understand what is in your word so that we could be changed. God, I pray that you would give us an open mind, open heart, open ears to hear from you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's jump into God's word. John chapter 6, verse 1. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd, and we see details elsewhere that this crowd is 5,000 men, probably plus women and children, so you have thousands of people following after uh, after Jesus. Verse 2 tells us they're following him because they saw the signs, these miracles that he was doing for the sick. Let's look down to verse 5. Jesus says to Philip, about all these people, about this crowd of thousands, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And Jesus said this to test Philip, for Jesus himself knew what he would do. So some of you that have read the Bible before, perhaps, or been in church for a while, have heard this story and and have remembered this problem that we come to. There's thousands of people following Jesus, listening to his teaching, uh, impressed by his miracles, wanting more, following him around. But now it's getting late in the day, and they're out in the middle of nowhere, and where are they all going to eat? And so Jesus says to Philip, hey, where are we going to buy bread, enough for these people to eat? Verse 7, Philip answered him. 200 denarii, in other words, eight months' wages, eight months' worth of salary would not buy enough bread to give each of these people even a little. So this is a big problem. Again, thousands of people following Jesus, impressed by Jesus, watching him for of his miracles. Now out in the middle of nowhere, getting late in the day, they need to be fed, and it doesn't seem like there's any easy solution. In verse 9, One of his disciples, one of Jesus' followers says, hey, there's a boy here who has five Snickers bars and two bags of Skittles. (laughs) Oh, what, that's not in there? Good, you're following, you know, keep your finger in the text and we know when I read the Bible or when I'm not reading the Bible, right? Okay, but you get the idea. There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that gonna be for so many people? Verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks to God, he distributed them to those who were seated, and distributed them, and distributed them to those who were seated, and he distributed them. So also the fish, and look at that phrase at the end of verse 11, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, they had their fill, their physical hunger was satisfied. When they had eaten their fill, Jesus told his disciples, hey, Gather up the leftover fragments. Did you hear this? Thousands of people getting late in the day need to be fed. Five Snicker bars and two bags of Skittles. And suddenly Jesus starts passing it out. And everybody has had enough. And there's leftovers. And if we were to continue in this passage, we need to skip ahead just a little bit for the sake of time today. But from this, from this episode of feeding the thousands, Jesus leaves then he, oh, you know, he walks on water, no biggie. You can read that later. And then he ends up on the other side of the lake. And so we pick it up in verse 25. 
The next day, Jesus has gone across the lake, and the next day, the people have figured out, hey, wait, he's not here anymore. He must have left. Where is he? We want to find him. And so we pick it up in verse 25, uh, the, 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 the crowd has found Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs and miracles, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus says, you got up, couldn't find me, looked around, searched it out, came across around the side, to this side of the lake to find me, not because of you're impressed by me, not because of the miracles you've seen. Jesus says, you sought me out because I have Snickers bars and you want another one. Verse 27, so Jesus says, do not work for the food that perishes. Do not be after something that goes away. Do not be after the kind of food that doesn't last. Jesus says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. So verse 28, they said, the crowd said, well, what must we do to be doing the works of God? You know, they picked up on something Jesus said and they misunderstood it. Jesus says in, in verse 26, 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts. And, and they picked up on this word work because for them it's easier to check a box, to figure out if there's a to-do list. You know, what do I have to do to please God? Perhaps you can just give me an instruction list, Jesus, of, of what do I do to please God? So Jesus says, what Jesus says, do, the, uh, do not work for the food that perishes. What he means is simply, you know, don't, don't have that be your goal. Don't, don't strive after satisfaction in, in food that doesn't last, that's going to spoil, that, that, does, that is not worthwhile in the long run. But they pick up on this word work, misunderstanding what Jesus says, and so they ask, well, what do we need to do? I want to work. I want to strive. I, what do I have to do? I want to match up. I want to see if there's something I can do to earn God's love. I, I need God to rescue me, but I've got I've to somehow merit, earn it, deserve it for God to love me and rescue me. So they ask this question, what must, me, what, must, what must we do? But it's not just them, is it? It's me. It's me still sometimes, and perhaps some of you, that default to, to trying to earn that default to works-based, if, if only I come to church often enough, if I read my Bible more often, if I can be a better person, we still default to the same thing they do, thinking that we must strive or earn or behave or perform so that God will love us more and so that he will save us. But Jesus answers that in verse 29. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. That you believe this is the work. You don't have to work. You don't have to strive. You don't have to match up. You don't have to be a good person. You don't have to do certain things. You don't have to check your religious checklist. Believe in the one that God sent. Our salvation is, is, is being rescued by God from sin and death. And around here, we, we remind ourselves over and over that the gospel, the good news, is that Jesus rec rescues sinners like you and I from sin and death 
through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Our salvation, our, our being made right with God, our being connected with God, our being friends with God, our being adopted into God's family, our salvation from sin and death is not earned by what you do. It's not earned by what I do. Your salvation, your new life now and life forever with Jesus is because of what Jesus has already done. His perfect life, his substitutionary death, and his victorious resurrection over the, from the dead brings new life for you and I. It's not by what we do. It's by receiving, we receive our salvation, our new life in, in, with God by trust alone in Christ alone, by faith alone in Christ alone. We receive God's free gift of salvation by putting our trust in Jesus, by recognizing that we can't do it on our own, that we need him, that we need his life, death, and resurrection in our place. Verse 30. So the crowd said to Jesus, okay, that sounds great. We should believe in the one that God has sent then what sign do you do? What miracle are you going to do that we might see and believe you? Okay, Jesus, you said all we need to do is believe in the one that God sent. Okay, so prove it. You know, show, show off a little bit. Show us what we should see to believe in you and follow you. What work are you going to perform, they say to Jesus, because our fathers, verse 31, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written that he gave them bread from heaven to eat. What are they talking about? They're talking about in the history of God's people in Exodus chapter 16, that when God had brought his people out, uh, out of slavery and into the wilderness, and while they were wandering in the wilderness out in the middle of nowhere, God provided daily for their needs through this, this miraculous manna, this, this, this physical uh, nourishment for their hunger. And so these people are saying, okay, Jesus, what are you gonna do? What, what sign, what miracle are you gonna show us so that we can believe in you and follow you? Because our fathers got bread from heaven. What are you gonna do? Verse 32, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you true bread from heaven. It, first of all, Jesus is kind of tweaking their understanding even of the manna in the desert. He's saying, it, it wasn't Moses who fed you in the desert. It was God's miraculous provision. And, it, and Jesus is kind of bringing their attention to, it, it wasn't manna that you really needed. That, that's not what, what meets the longings in your heart. That's not what your, where your ultimate satisfaction comes from. Verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Now they seem interested. Give us this bread. What, what is this bread that comes from God? Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Here's our I am statement for today. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. We're in this series of messages called I Am. Last Sunday, our I Am statement was this. Jesus using this I Am statement. Before Abraham was, I am. 
That's what we studied last week. And this is Jesus' way of saying, I and, and Yahweh, the true one, the true and only God of the Bible, uh, the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh and I are one and the same. Because it was in the, at the, Jesus takes us with this words on the screen when he says, before Abraham was, I am. His words, I am, are taking us to the burning bush in Exodus 3, chapter, uh, Exodus 3, 14, where God speaking to Moses through the burning bush says, what's my name? I am who I am. And if you want to tell him who sent me, who sent you, tell him I am sent you. And so now Jesus Throughout the Gospel of John, as we study our Bible today and in the coming weeks, he has these statements where he says, I am, because he is saying, I am one and the same with the God of the Bible who spoke in the burning bush. And because Jesus is God, he alone nourishes people spiritually. He alone provides true satisfaction. He alone satisfies the deep longings of our soul. In, in Jesus, we will not hunger. Our spiritual longing will be completely satisfied. But yet, these other so-called breads, these snicker bars, these lame snicker bars that we keep turning to, that you and I helped, you helped me brainstorm a little bit ago, of what some of these other so-called breads are that we, that we strive after, that we, try to put, that we try to find satisfaction in. Relationships, money, power, our work, our job. We just need a promotion. We just need that person to think I'm popular. I just need to get a certain grade in the class. Then I'll be satisfied. I just need to scroll through Facebook a little bit longer. Oh, I just need to click the mouse on this questionable image, and I'm sure that will satisfy the longings of my soul. It's garbage, snicker bar, fake satisfaction. Those other so-called breads, those other snicker bars that we try, and while they may seem to satisfy at first, and they may bring up a brief jolt, they're temporary and they still ultimately leave a sense of dissatisfaction. Our inner ache, our, our ultimate needs, the true longings of our heart are still unsatisfied when we chase after those snicker bar replacements. Our, our, our hunger, our hunger for what really matters will return. Our hunger comes back again because it's not ultimately satisfied in those other things. But by contrast, but by glorious contrast, Jesus, our Lord, God himself, King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus, once we taste, once we come to know him, once we believe, once we follow, once we obey, once we experience and enjoy life in Jesus, Jesus alone can satisfy the heart. Jesus alone removes the need for further satisf satisfaction. We, we, we no longer need to look for satisfaction in these other so-called breads and these lame snicker bars because only in Jesus, because he is God, we find true satisfaction. And so only Jesus removes the need for further satisfaction. 
And, and yet we find ourselves, don't we, friends? Don't we find ourselves su- surrounded by people and a culture and a society and even our own attitudes that cause us to just experiment with, with any other thing that could possibly be satisfying? We, we live in a place that is experimented with every kind of physical and material and spiritual painkiller, something to make things better, something to fill the hole in our heart. And what? It's a Snickers bar. It's a brief sugar high and then a crash and then dysfunction and and no long-term health. As a culture, we've experimented with every form of snicker bar fake satisfaction, but thank God for Jesus' invitation in John chapter 6, verse 35, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. That same author, Holmes, writes, Jesus exceeds our expectations. He provides for our needs and he fulfills our desires. Christ alone can provide the satisfaction and the joy that we desperately seek. Jesus said, verse 35, I am the bread of life. I am. I am what you're looking for. I'm the satisfaction. I'm true life and true satisfaction. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Uh, John Piper penned these words in one of his earliest books and it's become sort of the, the mantra, the slogan of his ministry. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. This is an incredible thing for us to ponder for a couple of minutes here and ask ourselves if this is true about us individually and about us as a church family, that God will be most glorified, lifted up, honored, loved, adored. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And and I don't know, am I? Am I most satisfied in Jesus? Or am I hoping that basketball is going to give me the thrill I need for this week? Or that playing with my kids is going is to be my satisfaction? What about you? Are you most satisfied in Jesus? Is, that, is, is it in Jesus that we find our ultimate, our true satisfaction? Or are we settling for Snickers bars? I'm not, asking, I'm not asking if you come to church occasionally. I'm not asking if you have ever prayed a prayer. I'm not asking if you've ever raised your hand and indicated that you were interested in Jesus. I'm not asking if you're a good Christian person who does religious things. I'm asking if you are most satisfied in Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about if you were satisfied in Jesus once a few months ago or a few years ago or 40 years ago. I'm asking if your true and ultimate satisfaction today, this hour, March 17th, 2019, is if your satisfaction is in Jesus Christ. John Piper, again, on on being satisfied in Jesus, writes this. When you become a Christian, your heart shifts away from preferring the world and two, preferring Christ. Followers of Jesus who have been rescued by God from sin and death and who have been made new and who are being given a new life now and life eternal. Followers of Jesus, our hearts, if that's true of you, our hearts shift away from preferring the world and what the world has to offer and where the world says you will find your satisfaction 
and our hearts shift to preferring Jesus. Every minute, every hour, every day, and in every area of life. And yet, I just, you know, we've, we've already said this this morning, but, but we've got to wrestle with it again. And yet, as broken people living in a broken and sinful world, we, we continue to look for satisfaction, or we could if we don't fight against this, if we don't ask God for his help. We, we, we tend to continue to look for our satisfaction in, in these broken, so-called other breads, in, in these lame, snicker bar, fake areas of satisfaction that we listed a few times this morning. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not up here, I don't do what I do to be a fire insurance agent, just to get you out of, of, a fiery, of a fiery destination that you're worried about. There's more to this for me and for you. I'm not just up here to hand out get out of hell free cards because in Jesus, yes, you have life eternal with God and that's glorious news. But there's so much more to why I'm standing up here and there's so much more to why we gather as a church family, not to just receive our get out of hell free card, not to just check the box I went to church today, not to just feel better, I must be a good person now. We gather together as a church family to exalt Jesus. I do what I do because I want you to find in Jesus what I have found in Jesus and that is that there is nothing, nobody, nowhere, no place, no thing that has ever been even close to as satisfying as Jesus. Nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing that's worth it. There's nothing that truly satisfies except for Jesus. And I want you to find your satisfaction in him alone. I want your life to revolve around Jesus. I want your hope to be in Jesus. Yes, we'll do all some of those other things. We have jobs and school and people and, and we do, are involved in activities and I still will like basketball. And you know what? You can still eat Snickers bars. Just know that's not where your true satisfaction is. Are you with me on that? And, the, and, the, and we're gonna close in this passage for, for now, verse 40, and it's also on the screen. Jesus says this. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son, who looks upon Jesus and believes in him, should have eternal life. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth and life of your word. We thank you, Father, for being a God who is great and majestic and on high and all-powerful and all-knowing. And yet, God, we thank you that you are a loving Heavenly Father who has come near to us in Jesus and who comes near to us by sending your Spirit, God himself, the Holy Spirit, living within followers of Jesus. God, we thank you for coming near to us. We thank you and we rejoice and we give you praise this morning for the good news of the gospel that Jesus rescues. And Father God, thinking of our, of our passage this morning and Jesus' words to those who come to him, those who believe. God, would you help us come to Jesus this morning? Even if we think we already have, would you help us to come to Jesus yet again 
And would you help us come to Jesus tomorrow morning and the next day? Would you help us come to Jesus for all that we need? Would you have us look to Jesus for our, our ultimate satisfaction? Would you help our hearts to believe, not just once in the past, but to, de- to, but to believe hourly, daily, and always that Jesus is God and that he lived, died, and was raised again so that we could have life. And God, as you are transforming us, as you are uh, making us new from the inside out, I pray that our lives would be less about us and more about Jesus. I pray that we would decrease and that Jesus would increase. God, as, I, as you continue to work in our lives and transform us and make us new from the inside out, I pray that Jesus will increase in us to the point of being our true and only satisfaction. That we don't need to look to those other so-called breads those cheap snicker bar substitutes. God, we look to you. We need you. We thank you, Father, for sending your son to be the bread of life, our true satisfaction. So as we respond and worship, as we lift our voices, as we give our offerings, God, we, we do so out of thankfulness to you. As the ushers come now and as we lift our voices and our prayers and we consider your words that you are the bread of life. God, help us to respond to that now in thankfulness. God, allow us to soak in the words that your your son Jesus is the bread of life, that true satisfaction is found in him. Help us to soak in that so that we will leave here new people relying on Jesus, the bread of life. In Jesus' name, amen.